Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Uh, thank you, Richard, and, uh, and the, the elders here for the invitation to come back and, uh, I guess, kick off in some way the 40th anniversary celebration of God's faithfulness to this church and through this church, which means to you personally, individually, and through you, God's grace is, is not a reservoir that is dammed up. It really is a river that flows, and it comes to us and through us. Uh, and as I thought about this, uh, this number, uh, 40, I realized that 40 uh, really is a notable number in the Bible. I mean, a number of places. I mean, in Noah's day, it rained for how many days and nights? 40. Good answer. You saw that coming. Moses, when he went up on the mountain to receive the law, how many days was he up there? You know it. Right. The Israelite spies scattered out the land of Canaan for 40 days. Jesus, at the inauguration of his public ministry, fasted for 40 days. Yes. Now, in our text this morning that we're going to look at, in Joshua 4, verses 1 through 7, the Israelites have just completed not 40 days, but 40 years of wandering in the Sinai wilderness. In, in 1446, that's B.C., the Lord raised up Moses to lead this people, to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt, across the Red Sea and toward the promised land of Canaan. It's 40 years later. It's 1406 B.C. Moses has died, and Joshua has been appointed to lead the next generation of Israelites into this promised land. And to date, they've been a wandering people without a home. They're about to be at least have the hope of being a settled people with a home. A massive distinction in, in their existence is about to, to take place. And yet, to, to enter that land of promise, to, to have the home, they would have to cross the Jordan River. I would love to show slides or have a screen to show you the, the geography. And I, I, all I can say is go to the back of your Bible if you have one and look at a map. And you can see where this happened. Or uh, you can look on your phone. Up Joshua crossing the Jordan River. And you'll have a map. It would be really easy to find. Anyway, the point is for us in this text is that the Jordan River typically, depending on where you are, is about three to five feet deep. But in the springtime which is where we find ourselves in this portion of Scripture. In Joshua, rains have fallen, 
The, the snow is melted from the mountains, and the river is at flood stage, which means it swelled to between 10 and 15 feet deep and about a half a mile wide. It's at this flood stage context that the Lord miraculously uh, intervenes and he stops the waters of the Jordan, allowing the Israelites to, to pass across the river into Canaan on dry ground, just as he had done with Moses at the Red Sea. That's a little more famous. A lot of folks aren't as familiar with this river crossing but it is, it is just as significant. So what happens next takes place in Joshua 4. That's the text before us. So if you would listen uh, to the word of, of God in this text in Joshua 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, that this might be a sign among you. When your children ask, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel memorial forever. And so Father, we pray that, that we, as we've gathered here, by grace, by your Holy Spirit, would have ears to hear you speaking to us through the scripture that we would leave here knowing that we've heard from you that we would see Jesus that we would would come alive to the wonder the beauty and the transforming power of your grace to us in the crucified and risen and reigning king our Savior, Jesus. So we ask that for your glory and for the good of your people gathered. In Jesus' name, amen. In, in ancient times, stone memorials were built to remember something from the past that was to influence life in the present. For example, the prophet Samuel did this in 1 Samuel 7.12 to commemorate the Lord enabling Israel to defeat the Philistines. We read that, that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin, again, 
your Bible map will help you with this. Uh, and he called its name Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that is composed of two smaller Hebrew words, and because I now teach seminary, I have to bring up Hebrew and that kind of thing to you, just to, to prove that really it's, 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 it's worth it. The two smaller Hebrew words are aben, which means stone, and azer, which means help. Together you put them side by side, and they mean stone of of help. And, and now you know what that strange line in the hymn, Come Thou Fount, means when it says and when we sing, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Some of us have wondered, what in the world are we singing there? Well, now you know. You are, you are raising up a testimony to God's faithfulness and provision for you in the finished work of Jesus. Because to raise an Ebenezer is to build a a visual reminder of the Lord's faithfulness to his covenant promises. Um, Because these memorials are intended to be things that we look upon from the past that influence how we live in the present. And we still build these memorials today, don't we? If you go to Washington, D.C., you'll find numerous stone memorials honoring veterans and leaders who have played key roles in American history. That's the role of the stones in Joshua 4. Now, in this chapter, they've crossed the river, but the process of really inhabiting their new home, of of possessing it, of, uh, of being truly settled, That's going to be fraught with challenges. There are trials to come. There are sufferings awaiting them. And there would be times when it it would seem as if the Lord were against them. Possibly had forgotten them. Or maybe just didn't care. Because after 40 years in the wilderness, crossing the Jordan for them wasn't the end. It really was, in many ways, a new beginning, a new chapter where where faith and grace were going to have to walk hand in hand. And the same is true, I mean, for us. Now, I want to be really clear that if you are in Christ, you've crossed the Jordan in one sense. There's an ultimate crossing, but in this life, there's a sense in which, yes, you have crossed the Jordan. You've crossed over from death to life, from condemnation to adoption. You've crossed from a future of despair to a future of of hope. But like the Israelites, on on this side of the Jordan, even when we have crossed over, Uh, unforeseen challenges remain. There will be trials. There will be sufferings. We prayed about a number of them just a moment uh, ago. We still live in a fallen world, and we are still fallen people. We stress 
over financial insecurity. We experience the anxiety of parenthood. Whether our children are little, or whether they're teens, or whether they are full-blown adults. We know that parenting little ones is physically draining. But the older they get, the more emotionally that becomes. And we, if you have been there, you know. We suffer the loss of folks we love. We suffer the loss of battles with the flesh as our personal sinfulness continues to wreak havoc in our biological families as well as in our church families and everywhere that you have two human beings in the same context. There'll be times when we feel like the Lord is against us, has forsaken us, or again, maybe just doesn't care. If you're like me, in those kind of of moments, I get spiritual amnesia and forget things really easily. And it's not just because I'm now on this side of 50 either. It's deeper than that. Uh, I forget that the Lord is my Abba Father and begin to think of him more like an angry Zeus who's out to get me rather than out to bless me. Which leads me down paths of anxious fear, spiritual cynicism, discouragement, and even anger. And you may be there now. If not, you will be at some point. Maybe you have been. If so, what you need, what we need, is a clear, convincing, and undeniable visual reminder that the Lord has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. And that he cares more deeply than you could ever dream or imagine. For the Israelites, this visual reminder would be the story of the stones. For us, it is the story of the cross. And incredibly, though the, the story of, this, uh, of, the, of the cross is revealed in the story of the stones. We see this in verses 6 and 7 where Joshua says, When your children ask, they see something sticking up out of the ground and it's like um, uh, unusual and it looks like it is not natural but it has been placed there on purpose and children go by this road that will be traveled a lot in the coming generations. When they ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, this ark, this, this, this wooden box with gold plate representing the presence and the power of the Lord among the people. When that went out before them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. If you ever take my hermeneutics class, which you can do online, you'll learn that in Scripture, 
Repetition is a form of emphasis. So whenever you see words, phrases, concepts that are repeated nearby, uh, you should say, ah, there's, they, they couldn't bold their text or underline it or italicize it, so they repeat things so that you don't miss it. Did you notice the word? A word there was repeated, a phrase. I tried to give it some emphasis. Cut off. That two-word phrase in our English translations is uh, one word in the original Hebrew text of the Old Testament. It's karat. It almost sounds like something being cut in half. You know, karat gives that feel to it. And that's what it meant, to be cut off, to be separated. Uh, in the New Testament, the parallel word means to cut down trees, to prune branches that are unfruitful. But one of the most amazing aspects to this Hebrew word is that Jewish rabbis used this word, a renowned form of it, not karat, but karet, as if that matters. They used this word to describe the most severe and ultimate form of excommunication. Where if somebody had sinned a sin that was irretrievably heinous, they would be removed from the fellowship of the covenant community. They would be cut off and removed. This is what the prophet Isaiah describes in chapter 53, verse 8, a text which the New Testament explicitly connects to Jesus. I won't read the whole section of Isaiah 53. A lot of you know it already. But verse 8 simply says, by oppression and judgment, he, prophesying Jesus, he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was, guess what phrase we're using here? Cut off. He was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression, not of his own sins, but for the transgression of my people. As a substitute. You see, just as the story of the stones reminds us that waters were cut off, the story of the cross reminds us that Jesus was, was cut off. And as the waters of the Jordan were, were held, uh, the water's got to go somewhere. And estimates are that as the water was stopped miraculously and parted, that the wall of water coming down the, the Jordan River would have stacked up a couple hundred feet. Can you imagine the paralyzing fear of being told, okay, now let's walk across. Let's walk across uh, this riverbed about a half a mile with a couple hundred foot wall of water raging right beside us. Uh, what if the wall of water were to give way? What if it were to collapse like it had on the uh, Egyptian army back at the Red Sea? They'd heard the stories. But it didn't collapse. And that's the point. Their feet walked across on, again, miraculously dry ground 
And we can relate to that, even if it's not in a physical sense, but we can relate because we might not see a wall of water literally 200 feet, and if we do, yeah, it would invoke some serious panic. But there's a a more devastating wall that we all face. And that is the wall of our sins, our treason against the king that is mounted up and mounted up and, and is raging. And we're being told now to cross in front of that because of the presence and the power of the Lord with us. We can look at the raging condemnation and not fear. That heap of judgment will not collapse. It will not fall upon us because it has already collapsed and crushed Jesus in our place. Because he was cut off. We can walk through this life now, not stuck in the, in the mire of, of our sin, but with freedom, with peace, with hope, walking on the dry ground of, of pure grace that has been paved with the blood of Jesus. You see, the story of the stones begins at a river and it continues to flow to a cross. But eventually, it finds its way to a tomb where we find another stone that is rolled away. It's a stone that was designed to contain the king of grace. Uh, but when that stone was, was removed, that king of grace, Jesus, was the Ebenezer who was raised. Not the Ebenezer that we raised, but the Ebenezer that the Lord himself raised for us. Uh, to, be, to be the living reminder that the Lord is not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. That he is with you. That he is for you. And that he cares more deeply. Even in the challenges, in the trials, in the sufferings, he cares more than you could ever dream or imagine. That's why we have to remember, we have to have eyes to see and say, not tell me the story of the stones, but oh, tell me again. May I hear it? May I remember the story of the cross of the risen Jesus? And yet it may be that you've realized this morning that you're on the wrong side of the river. That maybe you haven't crossed over yet, but you want to. You you hear the hope and the peace and the joy and the singing across the river, and you want that. If that's the case, simply confess your your cut-offness and believe upon Jesus 
as the one who was cut off, excommunicated, removed in your place so that you could be grafted in, so that you could cross over from death to life, so that you could walk across the riverbed as a fully forgiven, unconditionally reconciled, and dearly loved son or daughter of God. So, Father, we, we thank you for such a clear, convincing, and undeniable Ebenezer as the cross of our Savior Jesus. We thank you that the, the Ebenezers in which we have our hope are not those that we raise up, but the one whom you raised up, Father. And that's why we gather on Sundays. We gather to remember. It's why we wake up for morning devotions, to remember the kindness, the mercy, the grace that is ours in Jesus. So some of us may put stones by our beds. We might put stones on our desks at work to help us remember whatever it takes. Help us, help us, Father, to live all of our lives in view of our nail-scarred, risen King, that we might see Jesus. We pray with thanks in his name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.